This is section 54 of Mark Twain Speaking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Dinner Speech Ninth Annual Reunion Banquet Army and Navy Club of Connecticut, Central Hall, Hartford, April 27, 1887 Read by John Greenman I will detain you with only just a few words, just a few thousand words, and then give place to a better man, if he has been created. Lately, a great and honored author, Matthew Arnold, has been finding fault with General Grant's English. Well, that would be fair enough, maybe, if the examples of imperfect English averaged more instances to the page in General Grant's book than they do in Mr. Arnold's criticism upon the book. But they don't. It would be fair enough, maybe, if such instances were commoner in General Grant's book than they are in the works of the average standard author. But they aren't. In truth, General Grant's derelictions in the manner of grammar and construction are not more frequent than are such derelictions in the works of a majority of the professional authors of our time, and of all previous times, authors as exclusively and painstakingly trained to the literary trade as was General Grant to the trade of war this is not a random statement it is a fact and easily demonstrable i have at home a book called modern english literature its blemishes and defects by henry h breen f s a a countryman of mr arnold in it i find examples of bad grammar and slovenly english from the pens of sidney smith sheridan hallam waitley carlyle both disraelis allison junius blair macaulay shakespeare milton gibbon southey bulwer cobbett dr samuel johnson trench lamb landor Smollett, Walpole, Walker of uh, the Dictionary, uh, Christopher North, Kirk White, Mrs. Sigourney, Benjamin Franklin, Sir Walter Scott, and Mr. Lindley Murray, who made the grammar. In Mr. Arnold's paper on General Grant's book, we find a couple of grammatical crimes and more than several examples of very crude and slovenly english enough of them to easily entitle him to a lofty place in that illustrious list of delinquents just named the following passage all by itself ought to elect him <clears throat> meade suggested to grant that he might wish to have immediately under him sherman who had been serving with grant in the west he begged him not to hesitate if he thought it for the good of the service grant assured him that he had no thought of moving him 
and in his memoirs after relating what had passed he adds etc to read that passage a couple of times would make a man dizzy to read it four times would make him drunk general grant's grammar is as good as anybody's but if this were not so mr breen would brush that inconsequential fact aside and hunt his great book for higher game mr breen makes this discriminating remark to suppose that because a man is a poet or a historian he must be correct in his grammar is to suppose that an architect must be a joiner or a physician a compounder of medicines mr breen's point is well taken if you should climb the mighty matterhorn to look out over the kingdoms of the earth it might be a pleasant incident to find strawberries up there but great scott you don't climb the matterhorn for strawberries i don't think mr arnold was quite wise for he well knew that that briton or american was never yet born who could safely assault another man's english he knew as well as he knows anything that the man never lived whose english was flawless can you believe that mr arnold was immodest enough to imagine himself an exception to this cast-iron rule the sole exception discoverable within the three or four centuries during which the english language proper has been in existence no mr arnold did not imagine that he merely forgot that for a moment he was moving into a glass house and he had hardly got fairly in before general fry was shivering the pains over his head people may hunt out what microscopic motes they please but after all the fact remains and cannot be dislodged that general grant's book is a great and in its peculiar department unique and unapproachable literary masterpiece in their line there is no higher literature than those modest simple memoirs their style is at least flawless and no man can improve upon it and great books are weighed and measured by their style and matter not by the trimmings and shadings of their grammar there is that about the sun which makes us forget its spots and when we think of general grant our pulses quicken and his grammar vanishes we only remember that this is the simple soldier who all untaught of the silken phrase makers linked words together with an art surpassing the art of the schools and put into them a something which will still bring to american ears as long as america shall last the roll of his vanished drums and the tread of the marching hosts what do we care for grammar when we think of the man that put together that thunderous phrase unconditional and immediate surrender and those others 
i propose to move immediately upon your works i propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer mr arnold would doubtless claim that that last sentence is not strictly grammatical and yet it did certainly wake up this nation as a hundred million tons of a number one fourth-proof hard-boiled hide-bound grammar from another mouth couldn't have done and finally we have that gentler phrase that one which shows you another true side of the man shows that in his soldier heart there was room for other than gory war mottoes and in his tongue the gift to fitly phrase them let us have peace end of dinner speech read by john greenman